Wolf and Luke Middays, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, final hour of the show on a oddly dreary Monday out there. What's going on with this, like, so Pittsburgh winter in Arizona? We don't care. Bring us that gray. Uh, Bring well, us the clouds. We've uh, we've got somebody that you know pretty well on the Arizona sports line right now, Wolf. It is, uh, it's Wolf. It's Craig yeah. Wolfley joining us right now. He knows now. all about the gray and the clouds. Isn't that right, brother? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you should be in the bird today. We got snow on the ground. Clouds overhead. No, it's we're in the gray. How you doing, my brother? I'm doing great, man. Good to hear your voice. It's great to um, you know just kind of have a little bit of time to like uh, re- relocate my brain. You yes. know, just kind of let it diffuse a little bit. Yeah. How was the season overall for the Pittsburgh Steelers? Let's start with that one, Craig. How was the season overall from your perspective? You know, it's interesting because um, there was great promise in it, um, uh, especially when we went into Cincinnati and whooped them, such as we did uh, there in, in Cincy, or as Max Starks likes to call it, Cincinnati. <laughs> but uh, we got out of there, and uh, then, we, of course, we lost uh, T.J. Watt, and things kind of went downhill a little bit, had struggles. But, you know, overall, what I, I saw from this team was a, a unwillingness to bend the knee and accept what looked could be a losing season, uh, they fought back. You know, six, the two and six went to seven and two after the bye. They kept fighting, kept fighting, kept fighting. And uh, after you know, we started off with getting Kenny Pickett in there as a uh, as a first round draft pick, and you know, Kenny battled all the way through and he had, uh, I think, a very good year for him. Um, there's some real promising things on the horizon, I think, for the Pittsburgh Steelers. We're talking to Craig Wolfley right now on the Arizona Sports Line. Uh, Craig, the Cardinals are set to interview Brian Flores today. I, I thought one of the most telling quotes about Brian Flores was Kenny Pickett last week. I think he was talking to Cam Hayward and, and talked about what Flores, a defensive guy, was able to do for him, a young quarterback. And that's obviously what the Cardinals are looking for. Um, just w- what did you see from Brian Flores this year? I know he was only there for a year, but what was your impression of him? Well, you know, it's interesting because there's – and Ronnie knows this, you know this, Luke, you, you inter- interact with people, with coaches, with players. And, as, you know, you get senses about people, and every now and then your your wire goes up when you meet somebody, and it kind of there's this little crackle of uh, electricity that kind of goes, whoa. And I'll never forget <laughs> the first time I watched Mike Tomlin walk into the press conference room being introduced as the next head coach of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, all I could think of was I watched him. But before he even said a word, I went, just look at him and went, somehow that dude has got charisma. I don't know how you judge it. I don't know how it comes off. You know it when you see it. And it's really, really wild. You know I mean? Because you, you're around, I was around Chuck Noll, Bill Cowher, all these guys and everything. And Chuck had it, Bill to a degree. But, you know, Mike really stepped out. And it was, it was interesting. And you get a little bit of that sizzle. When you talk to Brian Flores, now, mm. I don't know. I, 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 Flores was in Miami for three seasons, and he came out with 24-25 record. Um, there's something about the guy. He seems to be, in my most humble opinion, in a limited, uh, you know, in limited uh, being around him. Every time I've come across him, it's been a positive experience. But he's just got that sort of 
look and, I don't know, the essence about him that says, I can do this. You know, he's he's got that big dog leader in him, yeah. I think. You know, Craig, it's so interesting to hear you say that because I do. I know exactly. We, we've been around the locker room our entire lives. You know there's that certain something where you get some yeah. of these guys who walk into a room or, or walk around the locker room and the cred that they have, the alpha male that they have. It's yep. very, very interesting. Brian Flores, would you say that there's a little bit of old school just based on based on some of the conversations you've had about him or just some of the interaction you've had with him? Would you say he's an old school brain or an old soul? You know, it's interesting because I wrote down a couple things on a sheet of paper on the last well, hour before coming on with you guys and just a couple notes about all right what what do you remember about your interactions with brian flores you know and the one thing that came out over and over again was this is an old school guy who's gonna coach you hard wow. and you know what deal with it that's what i, I mean that's, that's my whole perspective in in kind of you know shaking hands talking listening to brian coach watching him work with the guys his interactions um the thing that in me that 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 i really look at again i go to mike tomlin mike tomlin wears leadership like water wears wet okay <laughs> it's just who he is i mean you, i've never been in a room with mike tomlin and, not, and come away from that room not knowing where i stood or where things stood in in you know whatever uh, the the conversation was about. I mean, he is he he is he's the big dog in charge, and I get a sense of that with Brian Flores too. And I can't help but think a year with Mike Tomlin certainly didn't hurt that sort of aspect yeah. of that part of him. And uh, you know, having a humility to come and work as a Steelers with a, as a senior assistant. Um, doing the things that he did, uh, taking a a humble attitude in, in workmanlike working with Ter- with Terrell Austin, the defensive coordinator. But think about it: this guy comes in, and we went from being a uh, basically a thirty second in the run D to a top ten. And that, oh. by and large, there's a lot of Brian Flores that had to do with that that step up by the defense run defense. Yep. Talking to Craig Wolfley, uh, Wolf, let's let's just go big picture here on the playoffs. I know the Steelers saw Cincinnati twice this year. You guys saw the Eagles once too, but just from watching these games over the weekend, what do you like about this final four? Well, which one are we looking at first? Give let's, me throw one at me. Let's, Let me see if let's I can go get NFC. Out let's go NFC. All right. NFC, so you got the Eagles. You've got the 49ers. I, I, I'm sitting there looking and going, how does this Brock Purdy act so cool? <laughs> yes. You know, I mean, you you got a Joe Cool and Joe Burrows. But now, I don't know, Brock Cool? I don't know, doesn't seem to work the same way. You know what I mean? But he certainly works in the same way. The moments don't seem to be too big for him. It doesn't seem like he gets his shorts all in a bunch over the fact that he's looking at cover zero. You know, it doesn't seem too big a thing for him that he's got to, you know, lead his team down the field in the waning moments. It's it's part and parcel of what he gets done. So I, I like that. I, I look at that and I think, mm-hmm, you know, the Eagles and this and that. But I like the 49ers. There's, there's just very little that you don't like about that team. Yeah. And I, I know the Eagles are, are 
they're a great group over there. They're from Pennsylvania. I mean, for crying out loud. All right. I don't like those guys on the east side of Pennsylvania. You know, the fact of the matter is San Francisco, they're on the other side of the country. So I see San Francisco coming through yes. in the NFC. So something tells me you're not going to root for the Bengals either. You don't think the Bengals are going to win, right? So, yeah, I won't even ask you that question. Hey, listen, you know I love you. Thank you. I appreciate you coming on, Craig. It's always my pleasure. Thanks, That's what Craig. brothers do. You know, love you guys. That's right, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Even guys. dear Luke there, who I haven't met yet, but when I see him, I'll give him a body slam. Oh, yeah, no, no you, you definitely will do that. Thank you, bro. Thanks, love Craig. You, man. All right, man. That's See you guys. That's Craig Wolfley checking in right there on the Arizona Sports Line. It's true. Brock Brock Purdy has it. Brock Solid. Maybe they should go with Brock Solid. If it's Joe Cool versus Brock Solid, that's yeah, that's okay. going to be the Have matchup. Have you seen that anywhere? Brock no. Solid? We should we should trademark Knock that right off. now. No. We should, Are you serious? Seriously. That is awesome. Brock Solid. That's and exactly Joe cool. what he is. Yeah. Brock Solid. There you go. Oh, we should get him on the on the show and be like, "Hey, this is so your good. new nickname." It's it's almost it's almost too easy. It doesn't his family live in the valley still? Yes. All right, and get his family to Brock make this solid. make some shirts. Uh, all right, four time Super Bowl champion and NFL legend Rob Gronkowski is bringing his Gronk Beach to Talking Stick Resort on February 11th. Gronk will bring his infamous end zone dance moves along with hip hop star Twenty One Savage, Lil John, and much more. Head to the contest page on ArizonaSports.com for your chance to win tickets and complete event details. When we come back. A very crazy divisional round around the National Football League playoffs. Which games were our favorites? We'll get into that next. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We got the replay of uh, Cincinnati Buffalo on one of the TVs in here. I think we we should start with that game, Wolf. And we really should make sure we get to the uh, Chiefs-Jaguars game because we didn't even mention that before. Okay. But Buffalo, I told you this earlier. Just for whatever reason, going to that game yesterday, I felt like, no, this is Cincinnati. It's like you, sometimes you just get a feeling. Sometimes, whatever, one out of 100 times, you just feel like, I know what's going to happen in this game. And that's how it played out. But I tell you, all season long, it felt like this was going to be Buffalo's year. It really did. Yes. And... The last week against the Dolphins, they just kind of didn't look right, and you knew in the back of your mind if they didn't, if they played like that again against Cincinnati, they probably weren't going to win. The Bengals, like they controlled that entire game, and and it had to be like that was what football is about, right? You're playing in the snow. They kept showing the wide shots of the stadium, and it was like getting dark. It looked like nobody was anywhere in Buffalo. No other buildings had lights on except the stadium. Yes, but that fan base has just been so tortured over the years, and it really felt like this was going to be a year they were going to make a push, and then out in the second round. I don't know what you do now if you're Buffalo. Yeah. Um. Boy, they've got a lot of soul-searching to do on that team. The weather, first of all, was awesome. I thought, this is we are going to see something legendary today because of the weather. It was awesome, man. And I thought that legend would be about Josh Allen. I didn't think it was going to be about Joe Burrow. Now you're in the spot, if you're the Bills, where... Okay, if you're a Bills fan, you're looking at your team today, and I'm sure you're frustrated. It's still a very good football team, right? It's still a contender. If if the season just started in three weeks, they're a contender. But you're living in the reality now of Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow have met in the AFC Championship. This will be the second straight year. And we were talking about this earlier in the show. This is starting to feel like the beginning of Brady versus Manning. 
Yes. Well, then who's Josh Allen? There was only two quarterbacks in that duo, right? Like, at a certain point, Josh Allen's got to get to the championship game and then get to the Super Bowl. And right now, it might just be bad luck being in that conference at this time. Yeah, no, you're, you're right about that. Um, I also want to go back to the game and how it started because that, to me, was a huge part of why the Bengals won this game. They got off to a great start, and that start reeked of Joe Burrow. It did. When you talk about swag, when you talk about the intangibles, it's going out and completing your first nine passes of the game. Nine for nine to six different receivers and two touchdowns. Nine that's, times. That's how Joe Burrow started the game. Yeah. Yep. You, you want to talk, hey, Everybody, don't worry about it. My teammates, we all know what's going to happen here. Let's go out and ball, shall we? We're on the road. They had a 14 nothing lead after the first quarter. <laughs> in the snow, he outplayed Josh Allen in cold weather. Josh Allen's from where again? What, what university did Josh uh, Wyoming, Allen? I assume it Wyoming. gets pretty cold there, yeah. Um, There's nothing, just flat land and wind. just how brutal that is out there? Josh Allen, he outplayed him in cold weather, in snow, in the park. Knock it off. I think it's undeniable, and, and I, I know a lot of people were hedging this way last week, but when you have those off-season conversations, okay, you're building a franchise, you know, which quarterback are you building around? I think it's still Mahomes, and I think it's probably still Mahomes even regardless of what happens this weekend because he is hurt. But I think pretty clearly now Joe Burrow is the second guy off the board. And that's it's not even like Josh Allen took some step backwards. It's just Joe Burrow is that good. I think you would have to go Mahomes, then Burrow. I know the Philadelphia crowd's going to be like, hey, what about Jalen Hurts? He's in the conversation, too, with with Josh Allen now for third, I would say. I I think we need a a larger sample size from Jalen Hurts before we're going to start putting him into that. But what if he wins the Super Bowl this year? Oh, that's a good sample size. That's that's a good sample size. But uh, again, I have to see it to believe it. I just want to say, Joe Burrow, um, he's been there. He's been to a Super Bowl already. And then to follow it up with the performance of this year. And look at the way the Cincinnati Bengals started, Basin. It's horrible. They were bad. And all of a sudden, they haven't lost since when? This is that Halloween Halloween Monday night game against the Browns where Nick Chubb just ran all over them. They haven't lost a game since then. They got it going. It is Joe Burrow. You've got to put Joe Burrow in the best quarterback uh, conversation and I don't think that's even going to be a question going forward. You've no. got to put him in that conversation. Uh, the other thing about that game, real quick, how cool was it to see DeMar Hamlin there? Like They, could, they couldn't really show the sweet because it was snowing so hard. Yeah. But they were like, look, he's bad. That's just, it's crazy that, that you know, his, his, uh, his recovery, which I know is not like completely done, but that was just that was a cool side note after how you know, rough that was for, I think, everybody watching and certainly for, uh, for his family a few weeks ago, the, uh, the progress he has made. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just going to say that um, was one of the big reasons why I picked the Buffalo Bills. I thought that was going to unify them. Yeah. That adversity right there. But again, the start in the reality, the reality of Joe Burrow. The the Buffalo Bills had run three plays and they were down fourteen nothing. Yeah. 
three plays. What are you supposed to do at that point? <laughs> Fourteen without Crazy Carl showing up. Uh-uh. It wasn't like all of a sudden the ball was fumbled and one of the Bengals picked it up and ran it back eighty yard. No, no, they had run three plays and they were down fourteen nothing. Joe Burrow had executed. They went six plays for 79 yards and a touchdown, a touchdown, and then 10 plays for 72 yards. The Bills went three and out, three and out, and had a total of eight yards in the first quarter. The first quarter. Brutal start. Jamar Chase almost scored again. I think that was the second quarter. Remember, he missed a touchdown by about an inch. They had to to review it and end up taking it away. They're going to play the Chiefs. The Chiefs survived Jacksonville. I think that's probably the best way to say it. I mean, that ended up being a close game. But the real issue there is Patrick Mahomes, who got hurt, came back and played. But here's Adam Schefter from yesterday as far as how effective he's going to be able to be in a week. The x-rays initially were negative. He's having further imaging done today. He'll get that MRI. Most people believe it's going to be a high ankle sprain that he's going to try to play through next week. Short of that, Patrick Mahomes is going to be out there for the AFC Championship game, whether it's in Kansas City or Atlanta next week on that neutral site. We'll see where it is. But Patrick Mahomes is not going to be at full strength for next week. He wasn't yesterday. It was the first time in his NFL playoff career that he threw for under 200 yards in a postseason game, partly due to the time he missed, partly due to the fact that he was hobbled. But he's going to have more testing done today. Again, the thought is it'll be a high ankle sprain, and he is expected to play in the AFC Championship game. I'm not in the business of doubting Patrick Mahomes. If Even if he's hurt and he plays, they obviously have a chance because that guy's inhuman. But uh, the Chiefs have struggled with the Bengals anyway. They've lost the last three meetings of Cincinnati. I think Kansas City's in real trouble on Sunday. Yeah, um, I, I don't know about that. I, I really don't. Uh, first of all, Mahomes is going to play. There was no structural damage that came back negative. That. That is always a good sign. He ran the ball in the first drive back. Did you see that? He yeah. was like hopping down the field, and they were like, hey, maybe you just get down. By the way, he had a quarterback rating of 112. No, it's, if you want to say, it's oh, well, it's him. all over for the Kansas City Chiefs, it, it isn't. I don't, it's never all over when you have Patrick Mahomes, even if he's back there well, hobbling around on one this ankle. What I, I thought was so great. He, he tried to play through it and did in the game, did a very good job. So Chad Henney came in. What did Chad Henney do? He marched him right down the field, and he found Travis Kelsey. Right down the field, which and scored a touchdown. That's obviously the blueprint, right? That, the Kelsey <laughs> touchdown that Chad Henney threw him, that by the way. That was like, abandon all hope, ye who enter here, when Chad Henney took him down the field, and they scored a touchdown. There is no way to stop that touchdown. I don't know what receiver it was, but they basically had him run a pick, right? Yes. But you're at the one, so right. you can do it. So then Travis Kelsey doesn't have to run. He just kind of slides out to the left. There's no way to stop that. Well, don't be in man. I still don't think you're stopping it. Well, that would be better, but I still don't think you're stopping it from the one. Right, exactly. Um, Chad Henney had 18 snaps all year. (laughs) I thought he retired 18 (laughs) years ago. (laughs) He had 18 snaps all year, and he didn't bat an eye coming into the game. 5 of 7, 23 yards and a touchdown. Had a quarterback rating of 114, two points higher than Patrick Mahomes. (laughs) I guarantee you, he was talking some trash to Pat Mahomes after the game on that. Hey, did you see this uh, quarterback rating? What did you have? Oh, okay, that's nice. A 112.5. Well, good luck, Patrick. Eventually, you'll get to my 114.9 level. And the only other thing I want to say is Patrick Mahomes 
What a legendary performance by that guy. Yeah, that's he, he the legend of Pat Mahomes continues to grow. We all know what a great quarterback he is, but to fight through that ankle and find a way to lead his team to victory. Matt, what are you doing, dude? I'm still disappointed that the Chiefs lost to the Buccaneers in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. Because now there's just never even a conversation, right? What does Brady have seven rings and Mahomes has one? How different is that, is the conversation? Because Mahomes looks like a much better quarterback than Brady. Like he, not much better, but he looks like a better quarterback if you're At just watching. Point. Yeah, I would say even in Brady's prime, like Brady's winning games, but Mahomes just looks superhuman. Oh, but I the thing is... You can't go there, man. I really don't think Mahomes just looks better. Right now, it's a different era. Well, it doesn't matter because Brady's won seven Super Bowls, so he's the better quarterback. You can't. Recency it's indisputable. Bias, I would say. Oh, I don't know. I, but Mahomes has always... But anyway, the whole point of that is, if Brady's got six... Are you saying more talented? Talented, but he yes. also knows how to use it, too. Okay. He's not like... He's more tapped effective? into the talent. I don't know about more effective. Uh, well, that's what you got to judge a well, quarterback. The, the whole point for me was, if, if Mahomes beats Brady in that Super Bowl, okay, Brady has six. Still sounds absurd. Mahomes has two, and he's beaten Brady, and he's going maybe for his third, and who knows how many he gets. There's a conversation. You can't even have the conversation because Brady has seven, and he beat Mahomes head-to-head. Like, there is no conversation. Yeah. But I just think in terms of watching a quarterback play football, Mahomes is on that short list with, like, what, Brady... Peyton, Peyton, Montana, maybe Aaron Rodgers of like the best quarterbacks I've ever just seen play football. Yeah, I'm sure there's a couple other Don't others. Toad licker. Uh, well, you got again recency bias. You got <laughs> pre toad licking. Look, he's licking a toad. Oh boy, Texas, your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at six twenty six twenty right now. We come back. The Suns have won three in a row. How different does everything look and feel with this team right now? It's Wolf and Luke at Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Well, it's not like it was easy last night for the Phoenix Suns. (laughs) Memphis made a push. Memphis hit a three at the end of the quarter that was like... Basically a full court shot. Yeah. And then Memphis went on a run in the fourth quarter. But it doesn't matter. Suns end up getting the win. It was the second half of a back-to-back. It is a run right now where they have won three games in the last four nights. If you want to jumpstart things, Wolf, you go out there and you beat Brooklyn on Thursday. You beat Indiana on Saturday. You beat Memphis on Sunday. You do it all at home. You go on a run after the new owner sits down in the old owner's seats. You get Cam Johnson back. You get Chris Paul back. And all of a sudden, you're going to feel a lot better about the direction of your team. That's exactly what the Phoenix Suns have done. Yeah, no, they really have. They look like the Phoenix Suns, especially in this three-game winning streak. It was interesting because I asked John Bloom, Bloomer, of course, earlier in the broadcast, if he saw any common denominators in those three wins and he had some great answers on that I don't know if you have that cut ready to go I love that cut from him but it really did it it put you at ease a little bit because you were seeing some guys out on the floor once again that looked like they had a plan <laughs> looked, they, looked like they knew what they were doing and went out and performed Chris Paul and his performance was incredible Mikal Bridges to me was the player of the game. 
Yeah, I'm not going to disagree with that. I mean, Chris Paul was right there. You bring up Mikel Bridges. He talked about how winning is contagious. Yeah, just yeah, we definitely need it. Come home, get this home stretch. Um, it's just the trust and confidence and getting guys back is, is great. Um, yeah, it's just once you get that winning feel, it's it's, it's contagious, and it's just we all have, we all feel it, and we all know what that that feeling is. And since we went in three, we just we just want to keep it going, keep going. Got a lot of catching up to do. Yeah, I got a lot of catching up to do right there. But he hit some big threes. Did you watch the game last night, my brothers? That is, you've got to ask yourself, when it was getting sideways really, really bad at the end, inside of those five minutes, man, he hit a couple of shots, big threes. The Suns don't win that game, as a matter of fact, no. if he doesn't hit those threes, those two threes in particular. It's getting fun to watch this team again, and it must be strange for Mikel Bridges because... Just in general, he's the only guy that plays every game. I mean, and I don't mean on the Suns, I mean in the NBA. What We looked it up a couple weeks ago. There was five guys that played all 82 games last season. Yeah. And like three of the other four don't play all that much when they play. They're out there for, you know, 10, 11 minutes. Mikel obviously plays 30, 40 minutes some nights, and uh, and he's out there every game. But especially this year, it's been amplified because all of his teammates have been in and out of the lineup so much. Now, you mentioned that stressful fourth quarter. Chris Paul talked about that. We just got to build confidence. You know, like I said, over the past few years, uh, that's when we've been at our best the last five, four minutes of games. And you build that confidence being put in those situations. You know, you start figuring out the plays that you like to run down the stretch or whatnot. So we was just a little disorganized here and there, but we'll, we'll be better. We just got to get used to playing, playing together. You don't have to apologize after a play win. together. <laughs> you really That's don't. All they've got to do is get used to play together, right there. You know, I can, can I also call out Jock Landell, Bismack Biombo, of course, and Dario Sarge. You can do this because I know you wanted to earlier. Those three guys, right there. Um, man, they played so physical. They really did. They played so hard. Not always great. Not always effective. But they played so well. I thought Dario Saric as well, fourteen and eight, and it seemed like he every every rebound was was special. Right. The way he fought, it, what? Be honest here. You love it because Biombo fouled out. Yes. Landale fouled out. Yeah, what's your what, what's your issue with Sharich almost fouled out. <laughs> he had one more foul. <laughs> they were physical. They played hard. They were I hacking away. I get it. And then I love the fact that Dario hit two clutch free throws down the stretch as well. Huge, man. I, I love the way those three guys competed in particular. This is going to be the challenge going forward, and there's still stuff that has to happen. I don't think anybody looks at this weekend as like, oh, everything's fixed. Everything the, t- the corner has been turned. It's possible they're turning the corner. We may look back, and we said this last week, we may be looking back on that Brooklyn game where you had lost 9 of 10 and 12 of 14 and 17 of 22, and all of a sudden, hey, Cam Johnson's back, and hey, Matt Ishby is here, and he's sitting in Robert Sarver's seats, and just the symbolism of that, maybe that is a turning point. We're not going to know it after three games, but you get you have these guys now that have stepped up at different points like Sharich and like Josh Okogie and certainly Damian Lee and Saban Lee and all these different guys that have stepped up at different points this season. 
the key is going to be getting your guys healthy, your main guys, getting them all back together and letting them play together for hopefully a month or two before the uh, the playoffs start. But also, and this is on Monty Williams, how do you deploy these guys that have evolved over the course of the season that you didn't know if yeah. you could depend on because you have something there? And it's just a matter of when do you use them and how do you use them now? Did you play the Chris Paul cut from earlier? Did you play that um, anytime soon? Because that, to me, the cut where he's talking about, hey, you know what? I have to learn how to do this. I have to learn how to defer. Um, I don't know if you have that or not because I loved it. I have a lot of Chris Paul cuts. None of them are labeled like that. You want me to just start firing them off? Just fire it off then. All right. uh, How about uh, this is Chris Paul talking about Mikael Bridges and Cam Johnson taking the ball up the court. Kale been, Kale been amazing. As y'all already know, Kale lays him up every night, ready to go. Um, but the way he's played, you know, with all of us guys out, you know, I think it's going to help us in the long run because he's so much more comfortable handling the ball, making plays. And I just told him in the locker room it was fun, you know, getting off the ball and watching him create. Did you sense people more, more Yeah, and it's only going to get better. You know, I got to get used to it. He ain't been like that the whole the whole time I've been here, but it's something that I know he put in a lot of work with over the summer. Uh, Cam Johnson, too. Cam got a rebound today, and he waved me off, and I, I love it. <laughs> I've been waiting for him to, to tell me that, and so uh, I think all the confidence that the guys are getting, it can only help us in the long run. Look at that right there. That's exactly the cut I was That, that was it about. on the that first try? Ding, 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 oh, we ding, should ding, get like a Murrow award for that. It was exactly what I was looking for right there. Why? Because something that's been really negative, the fact that the Suns have had so many injuries, 80% of their starters have been out of the lineup for a long, long time. What a mess the season has been from an injury perspective. You know what, though? What is the one silver lining? Some of these guys are learning how to do it, learning how to play, learning what they need to do without Chris Paul. You feel good right now, don't you? I do. I just, really. Can we just trade Jay Crowder so he doesn't have to keep tweeting out emojis of uh, hourglasses and clocks? Okay, tell me that's what he did. He, he tweeted this out when we were off the air. You yeah. knocked us off the air. I absolutely did not knock us off the air. You were no. the one talking. I, I kept it. Pro- no, we never. Trust me. Nothing we said went out of the air. And unfortunately, <laughs> that was the greatest segment in radio history, and nobody will ever hear it. Yeah, right. But in, started talking. in those like four minutes. <laughs> and you knew we were in, on in the air. Those, you were talking. In those four minutes uh the sean payton interview got set up and jay crowder was like now's my chance to tweet <laughs> no, out some emojis you gotta be kidding me. okay so jay crowder tweeted out just for the record i want to get this clear what did he tweet out okay and i know you're a big emoji guy wolf so yes. these oh, are probably already right there emoji at the top of here okay well don't tell that to jay crowder who tweeted out hourglass clock hourglass it's only a matter of time. Is that what that means? It's only a matter of time. Okay. There's Here a, we go. 614 comments back. Should we just start reading them on the air? No. Probably not. <laughs> well, okay. So Jay Crowder, get ready. Hold on to your butts. He's going to be gone. Should we tweet back with some different emojis? No. Okay. Well, you're a big emoji guy. Emoji for emoji. Never. Oh, really? You know, I never taught. Well, emojis. I, I just, except the warrior queen. I'll emoji her. Really? That's the highest honor. That's right there. She knows it. Uh, We are less than three weeks away from Super Bowl 57 and Bud Light FanDuel and Arizona Sports want you to be there in person. So 
Text SUPER to 62620 to register and listen for your name starting February 6th. You can score a pair of tickets to the Super Bowl. Plus, you're going to win tickets to the following events. Okay, there's the FanDuel Party, there's Bud Light Music Fest, and the Super Bowl Experience. So text SUPER to 62620. It's all access presented by Bud Light and FanDuel. I have to laugh. Do you think we'll see the Dallas Cowboys at the Super Bowl Experience just trying to figure out what it's like? I have to laugh. <laughs> All right, we come back. We didn't get to this earlier because of the Sean Payton stuff, but DeAndre Hopkins is set to meet with Monty Austinfort this week to discuss his future. So what exactly looms for the Cardinals receiver? And uh, plus, we will get back into the Sean Payton stuff. He has a meeting set up with the Cardinals on Thursday, reportedly. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Wolf and Luke, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. All right, final segment of the show. Here it is, Wolf and Luke, on a Monday afternoon. It has been a busy day, Wolf. We knew it was going to be, coming off the weekend anyway. You got the football playoffs. Those were pretty exciting. We're watching the replay of Buffalo-Cincinnati right now, one of the TVs in the studio. Uh, There were some developments with the Cardinals over the weekend. You bring in Dave Sears as your assistant GM. You interview Dan Quinn. The uh, interview, I believe, I don't know what time it's happening today, with Brian Flores, to the best of my knowledge, is either happening right now or is supposed to go on today. But then you also get the news. Monty Ford's going to meet with DeAndre Hopkins this week. And the Cardinals are going to meet with Sean Payton on Thursday. Yeah. Mm, Where do okay. you want to start? I want to start with D-Hop. Okay. Um, anybody that has listened to us, you know that I got an affinity for D-Hop. Um, but I do believe that DeAndre Hopkins is probably going to be moved at some point in time. Um I don't know that to be the case. I just assume the sifting of the roster begins with the meeting of Monty Ossenford and DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't know how else to read it, honestly. We were we were talking about this, and I think a lot of people were, the final month of the season. And going into those last couple games, is this DeAndre Hopkins' last game as a Cardinal? And they didn't get to play at the end anyway, so it was like if we already seen DeAndre Hopkins' last game as a Cardinal... Uh, I think unanimously we'd all in a in a vacuum love to have D Hop back, but again, dealing in the world of reality, if you're trying to rebuild a team and you have a new GM and a new assistant GM that are going to put their fingerprints on it, and, yes. you, and you have something that other teams want, that as we saw this year, there's only so much a really really good receiver can do for you if everything else isn't firing on it all. This is not like oh we have one of the best quarterbacks in the league. You're talking about one of the best receivers that doesn't always translate to wins. I, it just it makes sense that that's something they could get a lot back for. It does. The once again the culture of the Arizona Cardinals is going to change. Ron Wolfley reporting, it's going to change. There's a paradigm shift that is coming up with the Arizona Cardinals. Y- your culture is discussed, of course, based on means with your best players, the players that will model that culture. And you see if they agree with your culture and the direction you're headed as a team. If they're in agreement, of course, they stay. If they can't agree with your culture, they go. It's that simple. And it doesn't matter who they are. You can't make exceptions at all. When you say this is who we are and this is what we do, except for you. Does that sound then why right? even say anything? Yeah. Why would you even say anything? Just exactly. save your voice. Yeah. Exactly. Don't even say that. It's embarrassing. Thus, here we are, Basin Onions. 
the meeting with DeAndre Hopkins. Do you want to be here for this culture shift, or do you not? I think that is the question. And I think we all kind of have a feeling what DeAndre Hopkins is going to say in that moment. None of us are DeAndre Hopkins, obviously, except if D-Hop's driving around listening right now. Uh, but this is, I mean, all the rest up, of us, I, I think we all look and we're like, man, okay, he played in Houston. He never won a Super Bowl in Houston. He played here. It looked like they might have a chance last year, and then they bowed out in the first round of the playoffs, and this year was a mess. And, and look, man, DeAndre Hopkins is one of my favorite players. But let's not pretend that he didn't get suspended for the first six games of this season, too. Yep. So it's not like he was totally, you know, everybody sure. everybody had something to do with it this year. Um, you'd love to have him back. I just wonder if he looks around and he's like, look, I'm still at the very top of my game. I'm, he still is one of the best three receivers in the NFL on any given week. So he could still go somewhere else and potentially win a Super Bowl. And the Cardinals probably aren't winning the Super Bowl next year. So you could potentially get picks. I would hope you could get a first-round pick for DeAndre Hopkins. You gave up a first-round pick for Hollywood Brown. All due respect to Hollywood, DeAndre Hopkins is a better receiver. Yeah, and again, going back to that meeting, the meeting's going to be a situation where you ask him one question. Do you want to be here for this culture shift that we're going to have? Do you want to be here? If his answer is yes, there's going to be changes, Hop. There's going to be changes, and you're going to practice with the team. <laughs> That's just me. Yeah. I, nobody's told me that. I'm just making the assumption right now. Monty Ford coming from Tennessee and Bill Belichick, um, we're not making practice exemptions for anybody on this team. That's got to be part of your culture going forward. It's one of the reasons why you have to sit down and talk to D-Hop. You do. Because Hop says this is the way he gets his body ready. His body responds the best to not practicing hard throughout the week. So he's got to be on board. If he says no, I think the next follow-up to that is where would you like to be traded? I think that you are, are, this is one of those examples of you got to tell the truth, too. This is one of those, I mean, you're sitting down with DeAndre Hopkins, there's no point in being like, well, you know, maybe we'll do this, D-Hop, and he's like, well, you know, maybe I want to be, no, just sit down, nobody's, there's not going to be any reporters in the room. Right. Hop, be honest, if you don't want to be here. There's no screaming, it's a conversation. Austin Fort wasn't part of the, the, the bad season last year. He just got here. So just sit down. He, he's got to be completely straightforward, like you just said. Hey, we're changing the way we're doing things here. Whatever that entails to him, let Hop know. There doesn't need to be any surprises in week four. Let Hop know much better than let Russ cook, by the way, in 2023. Let Hop know. Let's rock. But, uh, so, so tell DeAndre, I'm going to laugh every time you say that, by the way. So let him know. And then DeAndre Hopkins, you just got to be straight up and be like, okay, uh, I want to win a Super Bowl. I don't think Broncos you guys are country, doing it. Let's rock. <laughs> I forgot about Bron- Bronco country. Yeah, you got to make sure you get that. Everybody Broncos doesn't country, get the ride. Let's rock. Just Broncos country. All right, let's get into some of the uh, the head coaching stuff, too. Arizona Sports Cardinals head coaching search update 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 All right well Howard Balzer tweeted this out earlier today and then everybody's running with it now Ian Rappaport's running with it as, as well Source, Howard. Sources tell me Sean Payton meeting with Cardinals Thursday Okay and then we got that confirmed as well not, not that we needed it Howard No but it's just a, I mean that's a big deal 
And I would have expected, like, I don't know. I just expected that to be the only tweet on the internet if you're telling me the Cardinals are going to meet with Sean Payton. Yeah, Sean Payton right now. How does that make you feel, Luke? You're all jacked up. Interesting. You're ready to go. Yes. Very interesting. Well, because What's now. the motivation of it all? What is, what is Sean Payton's motivation? I tell you this. I am happy now. As long as they follow through with the meeting and they have it on Thursday. <laughs> Whether you hire him or not, if you decide, look. Twenty-five million. Sorry, Sean, that's too much. If that's what he ends up asking, or whatever. If you decide, look, I'm not giving up. Would you take eighteen? <laughs> would you? Would you take a little? How about nineteen? Okay, nineteen million would be. No, don't get distracted. Well, what were you going to say? Because it was going to be real good. Well, no, no pressure now, and setting the bar way too high. But I'm, I'm standing firm, and that I'm not giving the Saints the number three overall pick for Sean Payton. Get lost. I'll find somebody else. <laughs> like I'm not giving you the number three overall pick. And the thing is, New Orleans. The reason I say get lost is you know you're not getting the number three overall pick for a coach that right. doesn't want to coach there. Stop it. So now 2024, maybe we'll talk. Well, that's different. You could have our yeah, 2024 okay. so first. There you go. I'd be all over that because uh, if I have Sean Payton. That's not going to be the number three overall pick next year. Yeah, man. I'm, you know, it's amazing. Again, I, there are three candidates that I would like to see. I'm not sitting in that room, ladies and gentlemen. And the the reason why is because I'm not qualified to sit in that room. <laughs> All right. But what if you just ended up in that room before they got there? And you're like, I'm just going to sit here. Just go ahead and do the interviews. <laughs> you're like, well, if you have to leave, like, no, I'll be quiet. I, no, no. And if I could be in a room, I want to be up there in the war room. I want to be up there when they're talking about some of the draft. Like during facts. the draft? Okay. Like like their last, let's set the board meeting. Okay, so here's the where game. they're sitting there and they're standing on chairs, literally, <laughs> in some cases. Here's the game, okay? You can, you can sit in on one of these three head coaching interviews. Okay. okay? Brian Flores. Vance Joseph, Sean Payton. I already know Vance. I already know um, Vance, so I feel good about that. <sighs> Sean Payton. Oh, that's the, okay. And, and the reason why I say that is because I want to know how, how are you, you, Sean, who's an offensive? Flores. No, I know. I thought I, know. I thought you would say and, Flores. And I think you know Brian Flores right now may be the guy that I'm really leaning towards as well. Especially after what Craig said about him, my older brother Craig, who is the Pittsburgh Steelers color analyst. He gave him a, a ringing endorsement, um, especially the old school mentality that he has. But having said that, Sean Payton, okay, you're the quarterback guru, Sean. You're you're so regarded. You're 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 you're, you're a possible Hall of Fame coach. What what would you do to fix Skyler? That's why I'm. <laughs> happy. I mean, that's the. Can I sit there for that one question? What would you do to fix Skyler? Okay, Sean, I'm out here. Hey, thank you. <laughs> Who was that guy? I would no, love that. that. That's why I'm happy now, whether they hire him or not. And we started the show off with this before they had set up the interview or before it was public knowledge. You at least got to sit down with him. You got to sit down with this guy who is a quarterback guru and hear what he says he would do to fix your offense, what he would do with Kyler Murray. Even if you don't pay him or you don't want to trade all the picks away that it's going to take, if that ends or he chooses Denver or whatever it ends up being, the hour you spend with him or the four hours, whatever he says about what he would do to fix your offense, that is invaluable. Yeah. What if, what if suddenly, though, he gave you the wrong answers on purpose? 
so bad. He would mislead you. Diabolical. Well, it is, isn't it? Well, watch this. I'm going to go ahead and actually gain information on Kyler Murray. I put him further in shotgun. <laughs> 20 yards behind the last <laughs> All we're doing is shotgun. Uh, that sounds familiar. You're, you're late, Luke. Uh, actually, I'm perfectly on time right here. That's uh, that's it for us today. Thanks to Aaron Maloney and Jesse Morrison behind the glass for Wolf. I'm Luke. We got Burns and Gambo coming up next right here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. And see now, Wolf, because you stopped talking, we're actually early. Do you have any final thoughts in one second or less? No. Okay. Bye.